Rob, I have been wearing a headset for like six hours a day. And I'm here to tell mm -hmm. you it's okay. The experience is all right. I'm not. Well, I think. The, I think the dumb thing is I'm supposed to ask you which which head strap are you using? Oh yeah, I don't know. I mean, they actually. I find them both good and bad for different reasons. I mean, I, the the knit one is not the disaster that a lot of people think it is, and mm -hmm. and the two the the two other the one with the two straps, the dual strap, I guess they call it. It's not as comfortable. It's more fiddly, but you can dial in a more precise fit is, I guess, what I would say. Mm -hmm. So it's all right. I mean, you know, those things are all, all right. I am, I'm right now. I am, I am participating. I'm choosing not to participate in the hype, which mm -hmm. by which I mean that I do think that this thing is really cool and I've really enjoyed using aspects of it. But I think that there's a lot of overblown hype about it too. And I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be like putting my reviewer's hat on and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and be reasonable about it, which is like, it has a ton of potential, but it's also super buggy. Like the, the OS is super buggy and a lot of the apps are super buggy. And I don't blame developers for that because most of the developers whose apps I'm using never got to use the actual hardware. So, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, maybe they will at some point. They'll get a lab or they'll buy a Vision Pro or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's like, it's great for entertainment. Uh, I can, I've already seen the first inklings of the you can't do real work in a Vision Pro. Uh, debates starting online, which also, eh, maybe I'll wade into that one because I think you can. But it is, uh, <laughs> it is, it is, you know, it's been fun. The, I'll tell you what it's really good with. It's, it's, it's a fantastic Mac accessory, which I, <laughs> which I didn't expect. I mean, it's the most expensive Mac accessory ever because more than a lot of good Macs cost, but mm -hmm. you know, there's something nice to be able to, you can literally just sit down and have a stretch out your screen as big as you want and have this giant screen that you're working on. Because what it does is it's it's emulating a 27-inch 5K display that is then mirrored at 4K. <clears throat> so what you're seeing is 4K, not 5K. But then you can stretch it out and whatever. And it looks it looks good. And then you can do your little, you know, your, your Vision OS apps on the side or wherever. And those kind of act in a way as widgets. So in a, in a lot of ways, it's like the ultimate Mac Mac experience, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, I can see that. I mean, to what you said, the the media, watching movies and stuff, that's the only thing that really interests me. I know, I've done very little um, of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, that I, I feel like that would be the only thing that would interest me. But then we've been doing this podcast, what, eight years? Yeah. You know full well, I'm not using an iPad. Right. I don't really right. like using my phone that much. Right. The Vision Pro just feels like it falls into that category for me. It's like, yeah, it's a nice product for other people, but for me, it's not It's not going to do anything. I, I think for a lot of people, I, I do. One of the things that I wonder is what becomes the iPad after this, because in a way, I mean, putting aside the price, which is obviously an enormous difference between the iPad and the Vision Pro, I could see this filling the role of an iPad for a lot of people because it's both a consumption device, but it is a better productivity device than the iPad, I think. 
just because of the the you know the ability to use multiple windows and all that kind of stuff in a in a non cramped environment. I mean, you can use multiple windows on an iPad too, but you know you're pretty limited. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm still kind of forming my thoughts. I've had it for four days, and yesterday was probably my biggest day of being in it. Yesterday was the first day I really did work in. I actually was writing it. And yeah, I was writing in it and because you know what's nice is I can like emulate my Mac desktop and then whatever app I'm reviewing, I can have it open right next to it and be using it at the same time. I mean, not unlike what I would do with an iPhone or an iPad app, to be honest, but uh, you know, but that that's just a handy way to do that. And so it's been, yeah, it's been pretty great. I mean, we shall see. I mean, I don't think it's going to be taking off gangbusters just because it's so expensive, but there's a lot of potential with it. It's funny because about the uh, entertainment side is that immersive video didn't work for me when I first tried it <laughs> at all. I was like, I was thought I was losing my mind because I'm watching these. I'm watching these immersive videos, and all that would show up is like the PG rating in the corner, and then the voices, the voices would start, but I wouldn't see any video, and I had to reboot to get that to work. Uh, and occasionally, the environments go from being an environment to being just like a a fog really uh, like being like being in the middle of a cloud it, there's just like a lot of little things that that are are tough about it and, and taking screenshots i will say i thought this is going to kill me because the first review i did i spent as long on the screenshots as i did writing the review because <laughs> it it's just really fiddly because you got to do it if you want to get crisp screenshots that aren't full fully uh full evaded rendered or whatever you know where they're where they're sh- when you take it with the unit itself it's it's uh sharp wherever you're looking and and fuzzy everywhere else and if you hook it up through xcode you can get a fully sharp image edge to edge which is really nice but it's also very uh fiddly and tends to disconnect and not get your screenshots the way you want them, and you're having to kind of go back and forth between uh, a virtual Mac environment and the actual app that you're recording, and it, it's it's not easy. It's not easy, but it's I've I've kind of gotten that process down. Plus, now I have the the developer strap, which is kind of an odd name, uh, but I've got the developer strap, which gets takes some of the. Uh, some of the flakiness away because it's not doing it over a wireless network anymore. Yeah, the, the world's most expensive dongle. It is. It's a $300 dongle. And part of that's because it replaces the entire arm on one side. And those arms mm-hmm. those arms house the speakers, which are essentially AirPods Pro, I think. And, and I mean, you know, $300, one AirPod Pro doesn't exactly explain that. But it's also probably a very low volume product too, so I'm not too surprised that it's expensive. But uh, just given the amount of time it took me to do the screenshots for the first couple of reviews, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it for me. I don't think it's worth it for the average person because you're not going to get much out of this. I mean, it's really designed to collect data from you know in you know in the, the instruments panels in Xcode and to take screenshots and videos. And that kind of thing. It's not, I, I tested it and it didn't work with like an Ethernet dongle attached to it or anything like that. So it's not like the, it's not the answer to gaming on the Vision Pro. 
<laughs> no, you know, definitely you can't not. get your can't get your fast speeds that way. You got to do them the old-fashioned way with Wi-Fi. Yeah. All right. Well, we've done our. That's uh, my what main. I would say is our <clears throat> our compulsory vision pro bit. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we call first first impressions with John. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, what did I have in the show notes? Uh, oh, I'm giving a talk this nice, month. Nice, nice. What about? Uh, um, about how my website works and how I'm like collecting kind of everything I do online uh-huh. and, and getting that into my website. Um, so it's more of a it's a technical talk about how I'm you know doing those things sort of ten fifteen minutes. Um, but we'll I will put the link in the show notes if anyone's interested. Nice. Is that going to be uh, around where you live or somewhere else or what? Uh, so it's an online uh, online uh, talk. So it's uh, ten a.m. Central Time. Okay. I guess right. I guess that's what that means. Um, <laughs> so about four p.m. my time. Um, but yeah, we'll put a link in, and you can uh, you can add it to your calendar, or there's an RSS feed, that kind of thing. Yeah, so you can it's the get notified the, if you're interested. It's the eleven T meetup, right? And eleven eleven T is the is the blogging system you're using, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I'm really interested in those things like eleven D, and there's a bunch of others that are springing up that I think are making it very easy for people to blog again, which is which is nice. And I don't know. I mean, I haven't, I haven't had the occasion to use any of these systems myself, but I always find them really interesting because I think a lot of, a lot of, inter- a lot of cool approaches that make it kind of more plug and play for some people. You know, a lot of media, a little, little technical know-how, but you can, you can get by with, you know, without it too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've been. A, there's. I mean, I've got a handful in a list in Obsidian right now, but off the top of my head, there's a Pika page. Yep, I was looking at that. There's a new one that's just... I looked at that. It's just like launched two... uh, this week, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. That was like a day or two ago, I was going to say. I looked at it. It looks really nice. Yeah, and then there's uh, Scribbles is a new one okay. as well, which is in... That's in testing, right? It's, you know, sort of invite-only at the moment, but I think that's going public next month. Um, and, I mean, those two on their own, those are, like, very, like... You sign up, you just start writing. Right. You know, you've got theming options and that kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, just to make the experience much nicer for people to just sign up and just get on with it. Right. Yeah, I think that and that's good to take that barrier down because that is getting started is the hardest part. I mean, that really the hardest part is getting started writing and to have a technical barrier in front of even the barrier of getting thinking of something to write makes it even harder for people. Yeah, definitely. Um, but we'll, we'll get those in the show notes as well, so people can check those out. Yeah, I was. I've, Pika was one that I looked at. And I was like, oh, I'm going to save this link for later because it seemed like one that would be worth recommending to people if they were interested in in starting a, a website. So, Rob, I want to talk to you about posting disease and paywalls today. I saw you post it, put this in the show notes, and I don't know what any of the, I don't know what that combination of words means I in know, this context. I know. So. Well, so this <laughs> comes from the most, the two, actually the two most recent podcast episodes that I've listened to. And one thing that I am trying to do more of in not, this is not like a new year's resolution or anything. I've been actually doing it for a while is broadening, broadening my tech horizons and listening to a lot of people outside of kind of the, the tight Apple sphere that often, you know, Mac stories, people like me move in. And 
So I, I started listening to a new podcast called Never Post, very new podcast, only two episodes. And it's really like an internet culture type of podcast that has a bunch of segments about all kinds of topics uh, about for people who are extremely online, which I guess we count as. And yeah, <laughs> and this segment in this show was called Never Post. And it was about it was about uh, posting disease, which is as they defined it, the two people uh, having the conversation defined it as kind of people who get addicted to the attention, whether it's positive or negative, and just can't stop. And 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 that was so there was that. And it was a very interesting conversation about kind of like the motivations, how it's like this is not like a political thing. There's there's like people that do this on the left, on the right, in the center, you know, in this community, in that community. And and what what is it that causes it and why is it a problem? And then the other the other thing that I was listening to was an interview with Casey Newton, who runs Platformer, which is a you know, a news a newsletter subscription that he left The Verge and he's hired one of The Verge's former writers and they are writing about mostly about social media and those kind of big tech platforms and the intersection with like democracy and government around the world and that sort of thing. Very interesting and very good, very good uh, subscription if anybody's interested. But he was interviewed on Decoder, which is one of The Verge podcasts that Nilay Patel uh, hosts and they were talking about the media and they were talking about how the media is kind of crumbling around us because it's having a hard time keeping itself funded and they were you know one of the things they talked about a lot was what Casey did which was he went out on his own from an existing media publication The Verge and you know it's just him and one or two other people now and that's one one avenue to potential success in the future as the media industry evolves. But, you know, at least part of that service, I mean, I think that there's one free newsletter uh, issue every week and at least a couple that are paid. And so, you know, part of that is behind a paywall. And one of the conversations was about whether all the quality journalism is going behind a paywall and that there will be nothing left for f that'll be free except misinformation, conspiracies, and junk, you know, like AI, uh -huh. AI generated junk, which I think is a legitimate concern. And that creates like this weird socioeconomic divide between people who are informed and people who are poorly informed that, you know, is now defined by whether you have the, the disposable income to afford, you know, good journalism or whatever. And what it made me think about, so those are both good conversations. So I, and I highly recommend both those shows. I think people should listen to them. Um, Decoder probably not as, never post as brand new. So hopefully it'll uh -huh. continue to be as good as the first two episodes I listened to. Decoder often interviews CEOs and sometimes they're boring people, to be honest. And so <laughs> I'm very pick and choose about that. You know, I don't really care about a lot of the people that that's talked about there, but, but, you know, they're always adjacent to the tech industry. So a lot of times it's interesting, but what it got me thinking about is two things I've seen online. One is the person who has a online business or some kind of creative endeavor 
that they're trying to achieve, but they get sidetracked by social media. In other words, they feel like they have to feed the algorithm and what they end up doing is they're not, it cuts into the, what they're actually creating because what they're doing instead is, mm-hmm. is pu- putting all of their creativity into posts, whether it's Twitter or Mastodon or threads, it doesn't really matter, which, you know, it could be any service, uh, you know, and I've seen that where I've seen people who got off to a good start with like a blog or a YouTube channel or some sort of online business that's, you know, like kind of an indie type business, you know, one, two, three people. And they get caught up so much in the social media aspect of it that they they just stop producing as much and their and their business starts to wither. And at the other end of the spectrum, I've seen people who have just decided, you know, to hell with the free internet. I'm putting everything behind a paywall. And that's like the last you hear of them, unless you're one of the people who for whom, you know, you're willing to mm-hmm. you're willing to pay. And I feel like these are like opposite ends of the spectrum of the same thing, and that both of them are destructive in the in their in their own way. You follow what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, yeah, this is a a strange and weird problem that we've sort of found ourselves in. That Yeah, it, it, it's a weird tension, right? Because when you think about when you think about it, and I feel it all the time, because I'm like, well, I'm not going to put all my good ideas on Mastodon or threads. I mean, I'll make an article out of it. And like one of the things we struggle with, I know in Mac stories is like, we still have a free website and it's really hard to maintain a free website and have a, have a subscription service. But I like, to me, it's like one of the most important things because, you know, if we went all the way behind a paywall, all we'd be doing is cutting off growth. Yeah. And yeah, you're you're not going to get anybody new. Right, 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 right. There'll be pe- there would be people if we did that. There would be people who would continue to subscribe for years and years and years, and we would probably be pretty be fine for quite a while. But we would be writing our own death sentence in that sense. And I see people doing that now because if you look at it like in a compartmentalized way, like if I looked at just Mac stories, I'd be like, oh, this doesn't make much financial sense as a business. Because it's got one sponsor a week and, you know, just not making like huge amounts of money by any stretch of the imagination. And it takes a lot of work to do all those articles and everything. But but it's, the, you know, it's kind of like that that uh, classic funnel system where a lot of people, that's all they want. And that's totally good. And, but And it brings a lot of people in and all you need is like a small percentage of them to be willing to pay something more through a subscription service, which... You know, but for the subscription service, I don't think Mac Stories would, it wouldn't exist in the form it does today by any mm-hmm. by any means. So, uh, but but it's that balance. It's like trying to live in that middle place where you're not like you know, and and the, and the thing on the other end of the spectrum, on the other end from the paywall, is the posting, and the posting has value. Um, I'm not. I don't. I'm not suggesting that it doesn't because it, it's it's publicity and. And, you know, promotion and all that stuff, if you've like got some sort of online business, but it is also awfully easy to get caught up in it. And then all this, you know, because this is what happened. This is the what people think happened with blogging is that, you know, people stopped writing blogs because they were just posting all their thoughts on Twitter instead. 
And I, you know, I, so I can see that end of the spectrum as well. And I've seen people who, who just pretty much put, you know, put all their effort into their follower accounts and their, (laughs) and, and, and what they end up with is like a really big following on some social media service and a neglected website where they could actually make money. I don't know. I mean, have you seen any of that at all? Yeah, I, I feel like, I definitely feel that about when we were all still using Twitter. I mean, I, you could look at my website and look at the, the stats for blog posts and you can see the calf. You know, there's, there's you know, right at the start of the site, there's quite a few you know, fairly regular posts. Yep. And then there's a good like four or five year period where I may be posted like once or twice a year on my blog. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm also sitting on an archive of 50,000 tweets or something right. like right. you know uh, and you know they're then certainly not all blog posts no um but they're, and, and they're not all right but they're, they're probably all good a, right but they're probably also some ideas in there that are worth blog posts right exactly and i have done exactly that as well like you know i if i see if i'm in the archive looking for something and i see something why was why didn't i write this as a blog post or right um you know so not that i'm necessarily looking to you know, make money or funnel membership to my website. But it's a good example of like, yeah, we all got on Twitter and we were like, yeah, we'll just post on here. Like we don't need, we need websites anymore. What do we need all that for? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. And I guess money puts a, is a, is just a different layer of the same problem. Cause it, it is a problem that I think existed regardless of whether there's money involved or not. And I feel it with like what we post on Mac stories too. Like we're doing more link posting than we did for several years and a lot of that is because it's uh, there were there were times when Twitter was such a big deal that it didn't feel like there was any point to doing link posts anymore. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like there is again because and part of that is you know, it's not that there aren't social media sites and services. I mean, there certainly is Threads and Mastodon and other Blue Sky and others, but but I think because it's kind of fragmented now you know that a lot of people aren't going to see it if it's, if you just put it in one place. And mm-hmm. I think discovery, one thing Twitter was very good at was discovery. And so there was, there was a, there was always the promise of reaching more people than you normally could. And that has kind of gone away because the I think that the the algorithm on threads is pretty dampened when it comes to that. And it's virtually it's virtually non-existent on Mastodon. And mm-hmm. and that, you know, like I always think of it as like uh I don't know, like when you throw a rock in a in a pool, you know, you get ripples and that was what you would get on Twitter. But on Mastodon, you throw the rock into a, a sandbox. And it might make a it make it, it makes a little sand splash to the sides, but it doesn't cause the ripples. And and uh, that seems like a John Gruber analogy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I totally I totally get what you mean. I think as well. Um, you know, certainly looking at what Twitter was like when we were using it, though, was that was it was almost like there was a handful of posts or tweets or whatever links every day right that would just get retweeted and recycled through everybody yeah for a 24-hour period and then that would just start again like i don't feel like i feel like the the range of things that i see now on mastodon is 
so much better than what it was on, oh, on yeah, Twitter. For sure. Because because I think I don't know what you know, back to what you were saying about, you know, doing link posts and things like that. I think people are way more consciously going, No, do you know what? I've seen this cool thing, I'm not just gonna boost it or retweet it, which can potentially just end up in the ether of nothing if people don't see it. And like people are excited again to say, no, I found this cool thing. I'm going to actively share it and say, no, I really liked this thing. You should go see it. Right, right. And, and I think it's, I think you know, it's been long enough now that this has been kind of a phenomenon that I think it, I think it has legs. Really, I don't think it's gonna, I don't think it's gonna peter out. Maybe it'll slow down a little bit, but I think it's, it's good. It's refreshing. I mean, I think it's, it feels like you know, I don't know, 2005 all over again, and. It's it's kind of nice because people are being a little more, I don't know, are, you're, as you said, you're seeing a wider range of things and people being a little more thoughtful about what what's being posted online. So it's a little less a little less sensationalistic and and you know clickbaity in that sense when it comes to when it comes to individuals. I mean, the clickbait will always be there. It'll just be driven by AI now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but if we have this core of you know good bloggers around. It doesn't really matter if that stuff is out there floating around and all that you can find on, on Google anymore, as long as you can find your way to the blogs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I will say, speaking of Google, because I've been thinking about this and this was to do with what we were talking about. Remember we mentioned Mango Baby? Oh, the, right, right, uh, right, right. The baby tracking app. Yep, yep. And I thought, why didn't I come across this before? And so I thought, let me see if it's even possible for me to find this on Google. You know, just generic sort of, oh, best baby tracking apps, that kind of thing. The first three websites on Google were all a variation of bestbabytrackingapps.com. And there was like three of these websites. All three of them just had the exact same list of 10 that they'd clearly just scraped off the app store or something. Yeah. Um, I could... I could not deliberately find mango baby even when i knew what i was looking for obviously without using the you know the search terms um because all i would hear is these ridiculous like and, and these these websites have been around for ages but i think ai make is making it way worse now because they're just like rewriting descriptions so it at least looks right. like it's a different website yeah yeah no i i was recently researching like uh an exercise bike and boy i found i found a place that the ai has found which is you know they're just doing these they're doing these listicles that are pretty clearly ai written that don't really have any substance they're just a way to uh you know create amazon affiliate money by linking out linking out to amazon or something like that yeah, definitely. I mean, that that was the kind of thing. I was sort of writing notes as I did it, but there wasn't really anything more there other than Google's not very good at this right now. Um, but I thought it was worth noting because um, we spoke about, obviously spoke about that a yeah, few weeks that, ago. Yeah, that is interesting. It'll be interesting to see what, what ARC can do. They seem to be trying to fix search a little bit with some of these features that were announced last week. I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm an ARC skeptic, I think, yeah. uh, because... I was turned off by the design. I know a lot of people really like the design. I it just never really, nearly, really gelled with me. But I do think that the that the team over there is doing a lot of interesting things and has some interesting ideas. I wish they would do more with mobile. I mean, they're kind of doing it with this new search app. I, I, but they don't have. But 
The problem with the search app is one, none of this stuff syncs with the with the Mac app, and two, there's and two, there's no iPad app, and so to me, that's like a real half loaf in terms of mobile. I mean, it it, it what it does, and I think it was smart that they call it search, I suppose, because it really does in a lot of ways replace those kind of quick searches you do. I, I view it as kind of like the, the search engine engine for when you're at the pub and you have a question about who won the, uh, the, the football match, you know, or whatever. It's that kind of search where you're looking for quick facts. Uh, and it's very good at that. Uh, it's not like, it's not a full-fledged browser yet, though. I hope they get there, though. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's worth keeping an eye on. Um, cool. All right. Well, I think that's probably do it for this week. Yeah, I think so. Very good conversation. Don't uh, don't get posting disease and and go out and read some more. Go out and read some more blogs and listen to some different podcasts. That's uh, that's my advice of the day. Yeah, I'm going to subscribe to Never Post right now, and I'm going to listen in the morning. Yeah, you should check it out. They're doing like uh, they're very new, and they're going to do some kind of. They're doing you know they're doing free and subscriber based stuff with bonus material. You know the usual. The usual thing that podcasters do, and so far, it, it does have that kind of NPR-y feel. Like you get to the end, and there's like three producers, two executive producers, and I always hear that I'm like, "That's me, that's me, that's me," <laughs> or you know, or that's you. Yeah, I, I could do that right now if you want. <laughs> this podcast was produced by Rob Knight. Yeah, it is by Rob Knight. <laughs> distributed by Rob Knight under rights from Rob Knight. <laughs> absolutely oh anyway (sighs) but it's still but but that doesn't take away from the fact that it is good so you should try it out okay i will do all right i'll speak to you soon okay bye